What's going on, Liberty fans? Welcome into another edition of the Vines Palmcast. My name is Nick Kirby, and I am so excited to have you with us tonight as we're down to just one final week of the regular season for Liberty basketball. It is hard to believe that we have made it to this point, but here we are, and we are going to talk about all of that tonight, get you ready for the A-Sun tournament starting here in about 10 days. Uh, the Reverend Will Matthews will be joining the show here in just a minute, uh, but we have a big-time guest joining the show tonight. This is a guy that played for Liberty Basketball from 2010 through 2014, shot 52% in his Liberty career, and he was a part of the magical 2013 team that reached the NCAA tournament. This is Joel Vanderpoel. Joel, welcome for the first time to the Vines Palmcast. Thanks, man. That was it's a blast in the past right there. That uh that video you got right there. Yeah, I, I stole it stole it from uh from Liberty. First off, I, I wanna ask you about that run and that tournament. I wanna ask you about, you know, what life has been like post Liberty. But my first question for you is was John Caleb fouled? So here's what's funny. We had that. So the following summer, we had obviously all of our um, camps and stuff. And, you know, it was awesome. But uh, Mike Eads, who's the who's the official that was on the baseline, whose call that was, was one of the officials. So we would have like a, uh, officials come in and they would run training for like high school and college officials in training. And they would use our camp because it had so many like just exhibition games that they could do you know uh, refing and training on and so this dude is there mike eads and we're like we didn't we didn't like bum rush him but we were all you know like at one point i think there was like you know four of us around him, five of us around him asking him how he was saying you know it went down and um i think that that is a really tough spot to be in as an official because like we're going to make those free throws, you know? So um, I would like to say yes, but at the same time, uh, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not envious of, of the shoes that he was in at that, at that moment on the, on the baseline there. Yeah. It's a lose, lose. Either team's going to get, yeah. set, you know, like you're not going to make anyone happy. Uh, well, here's what I always happy. say too, right? The winner of that game goes to play Louisville. Well, Louisville had that, that championship vacated. So the way I say, you know, a couple things drop. We're national champions. If you <laughs> a, things fall a couple, there you go. That's uh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, that was one of the the few games post Liberty that I got to go to uh, live. I was like living about twenty minutes away from Dayton at the time, so that was really cool. That was such an awesome experience. I know, even though it didn't end up up uh, well, I actually saw you guys practice. I went to like the live yeah. practice. Uh, which was just like, like weird. I'm watching a practice, but it was, it still felt like really cool, really big time. And I, uh, for being a first four, I feel like Dayton really, really like put out an incredible environment for that. Yeah. They, um, they do it well. Like they embrace what it is. And then what's cool too is like, you know, before when it was what 65 teams and the play in game was like the two worst teams. Well, now that the, fi- the first four, there's a couple, was it 12 seeds that also play? Like, you have good teams. Like, Del Vadova was there um, yeah. with, uh, was it St. Mary's? Is that right? That um, Yeah. Whoever it was. Yeah, so I think they were playing Middle Tennessee State. And then, I mean, there's good teams there that are playing for a 12 seed as well. So they kind of embrace it and, and do a really good job of it. Um, we were, uh, yeah, I thought it was exceptionally well done. Like, it, it didn't feel like a consolation prize, right? It felt like a tournament game. Um, 
Yeah, the fun about that practice, we got like we were late for that practice. We were supposed to fly out at, like six a.m. and our 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 plane, um, our charter like didn't it didn't make it there or it got stuck somewhere. So we were in limbo from like six a.m. until I think we ended up getting to leave around like one p.m. and practice was supposed to be like three thirty. So like we are like getting off the plane onto the bus, hotel change, like you know, police escort the whole thing. Like we didn't, it was, um, a very rushed experience because of the, the plane issues that we had getting there, but, um, still remember it vividly. Yeah. And I believe Craig Sager was, uh, the sideline reporter. And, uh, was it, who, who called the game? Was it, Steve uh, Kerr. it was like Steve Kerr. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, yeah we, had, we had them all. Yeah. They heard we were going to be there and, um, it was the cool. So it was so odd. I was, um, I've, Alan York took a picture of it and sent it to me afterwards. And Craig Sayer came up to me and said, Fort Myers, huh? And I said, sorry, what? And he's like, yeah, um, I guess he had a couple years stint at a local, um, news station in Fort Myers, Florida, where I, where I was from. And in, in doing his game prep, um, uh, he made that connection and, and we had a, a moment on the sideline, uh, before the game. And so, um, yeah, we, they had a they had a pretty good uh, cast there uh, for that for that first four game. Well, I'm trying to bring uh, the Reverend Will Matthews in. Uh, he's having some some technical difficulties. Uh, coming back from Florida, I think he's still got that Florida brain. You know, we're blaming him for the two losses down in Florida since he was down there. Uh, all I'm, his I'm, I'm completely yeah, completely fine with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's talk about, about that team. Cause I definitely, I, I definitely want to chat a little bit about that team before we kind of, you know, get into the current team. So that for me was a really special team and I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, go on and on about that, but, uh, I, I came to Liberty a couple years after the last tournament team in 2004. So that was the first time as a, I mean, I was a Liberty basketball fan when I was there. That was the first time that Liberty made the NCAA tournament. So it was really special. And you guys got off to a really rough start. Now you didn't play in any of those games when they went zero and eight, right? Um, I do. That is that's important to note. That is true. <laughs> um, yeah, it was tough, man. That was um, yeah we we had a bunch of transfers coming that year, and you know, a JUCO transfers um that were in their first year. Um, and it's like you know you're good, but I'm like, dude, we're not even close to what we should be doing, and then. Um, but yeah, I, I was out the first 10 games of that year. Um, I felt very confident going into that year personally, um, or I guess individually before, you know, I knew I had to get surgery and all that stuff. So it was, um, it was a weird one, but, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where we knew we just like, and I'm sure everyone who's like on a losing streak says this, right. That like, you know, we're not winning, but we're close or, you know, a lot of things to learn from like I know everyone makes those excuses and like a lot of you know we were at one point like the worst team to make the end civil tournament like, there was like some some jokes there too I get that but um we had a lot of really good and so it, that's I think that's also why we weren't like surprised when the whole thing went down the way it did in Myrtle Beach was because like that's kind of what we expected the whole season to be like um and unfortunately we just saved it all for five days apparently yeah, the the best time to peak is in March. That's for yeah. sure. You don't want to you don't want to peak in January. Um, right. uh, especially you know when you when you you know play in uh 
um, a mid-major conference. Did you guys kind of feel after you got that first win against Coastal like everything from here on out is is almost, you know, nothing's going to be harder. We just won on their home floor. It Honestly, it was the first media. I think they went on a, oh, he's here. He made it. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, the first media timeout, I think they were up like 14 to 3. Like, it was, <laughs> check me on that, but like it was, after the first four minutes, it was like, I think what Coach Laird said was like, that was the, that, they just gave us their best shot. Like, they were hosting, I think they were a two seed, I'm guessing, is what, I think the way it shut up to be. Like, that was the best that we were running, that they were going to get. Every hit, every shot that Rafa made or everything that Greenwood made, like, was like super loud. And so when that first media happened, we were like, that was it. Like, that was the shot that we were, we knew we were going to get. Like, now let's just play for the rest of the game. Um, and I would, I'll tell you this, like, people always have, like, house money or nothing to lose. Like, I don't think we thought that way. Like, we weren't doing this whole, like, oh, I got nothing to lose. Like, we're playing with house money. Like, I think we, like, we were com- just competing as hard as we ever, as, as hard as we ever did. Um, but it was kind of that thing you get back to the hotel afterwards, like, on the bus afterwards, and we're just kind of sitting there, it's like, Coastal could have easily won this thing. Um, they were sized, they had experience, and, we were down like 11, two minutes into the game and then just beat them convincingly on their home court. Uh, so I don't think it, like, I'm, you guys aren't going to believe me. Like, it was never this, like, a, oh, now we believe we, like, we thought we could, we thought we were good the whole year. We just had nothing to show. We had, we were 10 and 20. We had nothing to show for it. Um, but it wasn't like this whole moment where we're like, you know what? Maybe we can actually do this. I, I think it was quite literally like, all right, we got, you know, three more <laughs> and, that's as hard of a game as we're going to have in the tournament is, is kind of the way we took it. Very good, very good. Uh, let's check in with uh, the Reverend Will. Uh, Will, ba- welcome back from from Florida. That's Thank a really, you. really sharp hat. Uh, uh, definitely a big fan of that. Durham Bulls, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, just a couple hours up the road from me. Get to go to a game every year. Uh, so you're a Tampa Tampa fan now. Is that what I'm understanding or – uh, no, not exactly, but, um, you know, uh, Durham used to be a Braves affiliate, so there you go. Yeah, winner. I, I almost wore a Braves hat just to, so we could kind of hang out together, Will. <laughs> I'm honestly stunned there's no Braves attire in this, uh, the show tonight. <laughs> I'm honestly kind of disappointed. Well, Will, welcome back. Uh, I did want to, before we jump into the team, ask Joel for, uh, your, your, Liberty fans, your Liberty following. Tell us what you've been up to uh, since uh, since you finished school. Yeah, so um, I met my wife, Rachel. Her, um, I met her. She was three years younger than me, so she was on the volleyball team. We met um, at school, obviously. We got married in 2015, and uh, we now live in Atlanta. Um, I have been doing consulting and sales and that kind of stuff for um past seven years now um so i'm with a company now called exercise.com um and uh i'm just a, a vp of sales there and um you know just have a small sales team that kind of stuff so have a lot of fun doing that um i golf a ton like a ton as much as i possibly <laughs> can so that's where my compet here's a quick funny story i did a uh, i was in a 
my first so after Liberty, I played one year with the Lynchburg Titans, I think it was. It was like in the ABA and had a ton of fun, but like it was like still like I was still able to kind of get like my competitive like it was a competitive outlet for me, right? Um and then after that I was like, you know, like it wasn't professional by any means, it was semi at best. Anyways, I go to play my first men's league game. Believe it or not, there's actually good men's league basketball in Lynchburg, which is, uh, I think, surprising to a lot of people. But anyways, first men's league game on basketball as being my only competitive outlet for the rest of my life because I was like, I was getting so heated, like yelling at a ref. I'm like, I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. So um, it's like I'm golf. <laughs> and so now golf is that competitive outlet for me. So, yeah, we're in Atlanta, um, two sons, uh, three-and-a-half-year-old John Allen and a one-year-old Jordan, and um, my one-year-old is the kid who, like, you give him basketball in the living room, he will walk it over to the playroom to make it in the hoop. So, like, if you could buy stock in infants, like, you would want to probably do it. <laughs> so, what, like, class of... Uh... Yeah, <laughs> 2037, Richie. Like Richie, yeah. let's get on it, man. There you I'm, go. I'm in. That's too Very funny. cool. That's yeah, awesome. that's funny. Speaking of babies, because I missed, you know, kind of y'all's conversation about that 2013, 2012, 2013 team. That year was such a blur to me in that tournament because we had a newborn, our first child in the house at that time. And so I was just going back before I got on here looking at that roster because I was thinking like, what team was that again? Like I, like I don't like I remember JVP being on that team, and I remember um, Coronado, and I was trying yep. to like really um, was Devon Marshall on that team too? Yeah, he hit. I think, I think he hit like yeah. I think he hit fourteen or seventeen threes in the tournament in four games, yeah. and like he at like the, a sixty-five percent. Uh, yeah, he won the, the the tournament MVP. The precursor of Darius McGee, I think, um, just a few years beforehand. So. Yeah, we had a lot of those, those JUCO guys. Like that was Devon's first year. That was Jr's first year. Um, Casey Roberts' first year. Like a bunch of guys who like oh, yeah. brought it. Yeah, um, brought them in after the first year. So that was um, that was a that was a fun team. Yeah, that like whole tournament was a whirlwind because I had never changed a diaper before. So we were trying to figure that out. So <laughs> you learn you learn quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say that that team was what. What resulted in you having your first child was uh, celebrating. <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> that's where I thought you were going at first. And I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. What an honor. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, before I get in trouble, let's talk about the current team here. Uh, so, uh, Joel, I know you're a big supporter still of Liberty Basketball, which it's really cool to see all the former players, you know, tweeting and supporting the team. I just think that's, that's so, uh, uh, so cool. And you got recruited by Richie, right? Yeah. So I, um, Funny story. I signed under Richie. Um, and then on April 1st, Coach Susie called me and said that Coach McKay had left. And I was like, this is a really bad April Fool's joke. <laughs> and um, he wasn't kidding. But um, yeah, so I've I've had a relationship with McKay and Susie since I was like 16, 17 years old. Um, and so it's cool. Like when I was at Kennesaw, you know, I always see him and go out of my way and they always go out of their way to, to spend time with me and stuff like that. So they've, um, it's just cool. Like that, you know, when, when this, when the coaching search happened, it's like, it could be someone we've never heard of or have no ties to that 
alumni are not going to get like blocked out by any means, but like that don't really have any much in common or, or, or strong ties. And it couldn't be further from the truth with, uh, with Coach McKay. So. Yeah, McKay's pretty difficult to like. So, uh, you know, <laughs> just what a terrible guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so Liberty 88 82 winners over Stetson. This was our last game, uh, uh yesterday. Uh, Darius McGee scored 39. 39, 9, and 9. I mean, just ridiculous. And and Liberty needed every single point. Uh, McGee did break the A-Sun uh, three-point record. Kyle Rudd and Kiki McDowell also had really good games. Uh, Liberty looked like they were going to, you know, win this pretty comfortably. Uh, but Stetson, man, they uh, they came back hard. Uh, Chase uh, Johnston, hopefully I don't butcher his name. I butchered his name last night. Sorry, Chase. You deserve all the credit, man. He, he played out of his mind. 38 points. Uh, was just hitting ridiculous shots, and Stetson took the lead with uh, about a minute and a half left, and then uh, Darius McGee was Darius McGee and won the game for Liberty. Uh, Joel, we'll start with you. What was your thoughts on on this game, and I guess kind of where Liberty stands uh, here on February twentieth with a uh, a week left in the season? Yeah, it's um, it's not like it's not where we want them to be because we want them to have just not lost a game or had any like chinks in their armor um but they're setting up just fine like i was jacksonville said it's a very good team so that was like a legitimate loss you know whenever that was you know a month and a half ago um but at the same time like you guys know how it is like if there's a team that like you know is kind of like the odds on favorite and they haven't lost yet you don't want that first loss to be come tournament time said yeah. about like getting the Getting the areas of weakness like on tape and addressed at the right time, like enough time to fix them, but not like too much time to you know like forget that you're still you can still be vulnerable. So, um, you know, I think that the next this week is obviously a a very good opportunity for us to get things things righted. Um, the Stetson game to me is just it was it was Darius McGee. I, I and correct me if I'm wrong. This is what I feel has happened. We used to have these moments where early in games we'd be down eleven to two or fourteen to fourteen to three, and it was like, all right, so it's going to go away. So I feel like now we had these like mid second half lulls that are like kind of odd or early second half lulls, but it used to always be first half we'd start slow, but at some point the pack line's going to squeeze, and they're not going to score for six minutes. And I haven't felt that. I mean, if you look at the scores of our, like, so, Stetson scored 82, North Forest scored uh, 72, Jacksonville 73, Litscombe 69. Like, where are the games that were in the 40s and the 50s, mm. you know, earlier on in the year and all of last year? And it's, and I know that Coach McKay is also not, like, freaking out because he doesn't have, like, he thinks that Shiloh's as good as anyone that he's had to run the pack line. He has exceptional buy-in. So, to me... What's can, only thing that's concerning to me is not who you lose to or when you lose to them. It's I don't like these like second half lulls or these second half like flips in momentum. And I also really miss having our opponents score in the fifties because you knew like, all right, Darius scores 25. You're good. Now it's like this dude has, has to have 40 because the game is going to be in the eighties. And so it's just, it's just interesting how that shifted to like, Kind of higher scoring games for college basketball, especially for for the A Sun. I could again, that's my take. I could be way off from your perspective too. 
Yeah, no, no. I think that's a a good take. I I would imagine it's probably the, the three point shooting. Everyone just shoots so many more threes now than they shot a couple years ago. I mean, even like this year from last year, it just it is just shooting up with how many more threes are attempted. And you know, when a team's hot, you know, you can score a lot yeah. of points. And it's not that you're necessarily playing terrible defense. Um, well, I know you weren't able to catch this game, but I want to break down. And uh, Joel, I apologize. I'm a giant stat nerd, so I hope I don't put you to sleep. Uh, but let's break down the offense and the defense. So first, let's look at kind of the offensive numbers here. So the offense for Liberty is great. This is one of Richie's uh, best teams at Liberty. Uh, right now, they're 70th overall in adjusted offensive efficiency. Uh, 58th last year, but the 2020 team that we love, that team was 107. So this team is, is really, really good. And they've been even better since December 1st. But remember, they started out really slow shooting shooting the three ball, uh, struggled against LSU and Iona and Manhattan. But Liberty ranks 40th in the country in offensive efficiency since December 1st. So offense, they're great. And if, if you're watching, if you look at that bottom one, the, the conference only, Liberty is uh, uh, far and away the best in, in like the offensive numbers. So, uh, Will, let's start with you on this one. How do you feel overall the offense is playing? Yeah, it's kind of like, I guess, like Joel was saying, like you get those lulls where it seems like we can't hit anything. And a lot of times it seems like we got these like just easy, like right at the basket shots and they are just not falling in. And I just keep thinking like every time we go through those dry spells, like if we could just weather this storm, like it's going to hit again. Um, but, you know, we it seems like this team has has so many more threats than we have had in quite a bit, um, even, you know, back in when, um, you know, that 2020 team, I mean, you had Holmesley and James and, uh, but, you know, defense was kind of the hallmark of those teams. Um, and I don't know that, I don't know that nece- necessarily Richie has gotten away from that. I mean, it seems like he, you know, when you hear him in an interview on the radio show or anything like that, it doesn't sound like that's kind of his MO is to get away from the defense because he has so many scores. But yeah, just looking at the kind of how we are, it seems like we are more of an offensive team than a defensive team looking at, you know, but of course I know with these advanced metrics, you're going to give us a master's degree in Ken Palm here. So that's what, that's what we're here for. Well, well, that was my thing too. I was like, I want to say something that's like a gut eyeball test, and I just I'm yeah. Like, well, and then Nick's gonna, gonna tell me how wrong I am. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, no. Yeah, because well, you're watching the game and you're like, "What happened to the defense? We used to play defense, and then, you know, a lot of the times, like it's just to just the eye test again. It looks like a lot of the times we have these silly turnovers that lead to points, like just. Like just silly turnovers, like just a bad pass, like a pass straight to the guy on the other team, you know. Yeah, so, but I'm again, I'm not, you know, I've never even played organized basketball in my life, so I'm, I know I'm speaking out of school here. But just as a fan watching it, and I'm like, what is going on? It seems like there's a lot of those silly turnovers. Well, Nick, what's your what's the what are the numbers saying in terms of pace of play, right? Because another thing that Liberty was, or another thing that a lot of times was. Uh, indicative of the score or the score is indicative of is we are completely comfortable walking it up even when we have a, a two on one. Like we're, like we're good. And so to me, this may not be an indicator of bad defense. Maybe an indicator of the pace is just not as slow as we have had it in previous years. Have you looked into that at all? Or is that just a topic we should skip? 
Yeah. Well, first off, Will's observations actually are dead on with the numbers. So, Will, you're 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 spot on that. I can't tell you anything X's and O's. I can just tell you the numbers and, and give you that and kind of diagnose that. But, uh, Joel, the pace is up a little bit. Liberty's three hundredth right now in adjusted tempo. Um, they were right around three fifty for the last couple years before. So they they've sped up a little bit, and I'm sure a lot of that's just Darius McGee. You know you know, taking shots yeah. when he, you know, I would imagine that that probably accounts for a lot of it. So I don't really think they've like drastically changed sure. or anything. Um, but Will, what you said about the two point, you know, about shots around the rim, uh, Liberty right now, Liberty's still doing really well. They're 56 in the country in two point percentage. I mean, that's still a good number. I mean, it's 56 out of 358 teams. That's, that's good. Yeah. But Liberty was 10th, 6th and 8th the three years before. So, I mean, they, they, they're not as good as they were before. Um, but they're still pretty good. Now, the three ball, I mean, Liberty is third in the country in three-point percentage right now. Third in the country. South Dakota State and Purdue are the only two teams better. And uh, as far as, well, what you were saying about, you know, maybe we're having these lulls, Liberty is shooting the fourth most three-pointers per possession. So when you shoot that many threes, I think the offense is going to feel like it's more hot or cold and maybe it's not necessarily like really as hot as cold as it feels. It's just when you shoot threes, you're going to miss more, but you're going to score more points when you're shooting the threes. If that, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw the first half of this game. I had not watched the second half yet, but there, it looked like a lot of times like the ball movement on Liberty side was so crisp and so good that they were intentionally looking for that open three where it seemed like a lot of the times, like they really could have had something inside maybe if they would have worked it that way. Again, I didn't see the second half. Maybe they did in the second half. I'm not sure. But just in that first half, it was like, well, if we can't hit a three that, you know, if we can't shoot a three, then what are we doing here? Yeah. I got some stats on the Stetson uh, game that I'll get to here in just a second. I got a slide on that. So I don't want to jump too far ahead, but, um, but yeah, overall, I think that was good. Let's move on to talk about the not as good the defense. So uh, Liberty right now is uh, 184th in adjusted defense. They were 153rd last year, 69th the year before. So definitely the defense is is not not where it where it has been. Um, Liberty was really playing really well. If you see on the left, um, um, Liberty was uh, had some really really good games and the, the the defense efficiency actually at one point got in the top hundred, but the last five games have really struggled. So they're the ones that are highlighted, uh, and as it goes down, that's the, the worst um, uh, points per possession that they've allowed. And Stetson was the worst points per possession game since BYU, uh, and so the worst of Ace on play. So uh, just breaking it down a little bit more. Uh, if you look at just games in February, since February 5th, Liberty's 330th in the country. So it's it's definitely been a, a struggle on the defensive end. Now, I say all that, and Liberty still has the best conference-only defensive efficiency rating in the A-Sun. So, like, yeah, I don't think they're playing up to their standards, but for the A-Sun, maybe they're not as bad as it as it, as it feels right now. Joel, let's start with you. What do you think? You know, you would know more about the pack line and the principles and all that kind of stuff. What are you seeing, at least lately, from the defense? It, I'm not going to have some smart 
diagnosis that is going to be backed with statistics. To me, it looks like we are, when we are getting in a bucket for bucket, we're trading. Like, I think, I think it comes down to the style of basketball that we're playing. And so I don't think that it's necessarily like when I went to the Kennesaw game, it looked the exact same that it's always looked, right? Anytime it touches the post, you get the guy that comes over and then like, Every single ball screen was uh, seems to be guarded the exact same. So there's not this material change that I'm seeing that is like concerning to me, or this material change. Sorry, I had a tab pop up that started talking to me. There's not this material change that like gives me concern. I just look at the end of the scores. I'm like, why are we? How are we giving up this many points when like we were? And again, it's because we're letting Darius go off and we're letting him fill it up it's going to kind of be reciprocated in how many points we're giving up as well because we, we've almost changed our style of play because when Darius is at his best, Liberty's at his best. But you can't have Darius have 30 and, you know, be a, a minimal possession game. But so I don't have this diagnosis that is going to be um, exceptionally intuitive. To me, it just feels like we're far more comfortable playing an offensive-minded game. Um, and when you have Darius, why not? <laughs> he's, he's, he's top three, top, um, offensive players in the country. Like, why would you not just like, all right, go do your thing. Here's the ball. Um, so it's, not, I don't have an answer that you want. No, I think, that, I think it was a good answer. Um, looking a little bit, digging in a little bit more at the numbers. So the, the three point percentage, uh, uh, Liberty was uh, 70th in the country in three-point defense last year. They're 213th this year. But also, if you just look at attempts, uh, Liberty was 119th in three-pointers attempted against them. They're 282nd. So teams are shooting a ton of threes against Liberty. And, I mean, I think like a team like Jacksonville State joining the the A-Sun and then Bellarmine, those are heavy, high three-point shooting volume teams. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if some of it's, you know, that and trying to adjust to playing teams that are are just jacking up a ton of threes, and that's a different style, and you kind of have to adjust. Or, um, I mean, also, I mean, Joel, speak a little bit to this. I, I'm assuming Liberty has had a really brutal schedule, travel wise, and just you know, the last month they they had like three games in a week, a couple times. How hard is it to play defense when you're exhausted? Well, I would also say this: it wasn't just that. They had three games in a week once, and they're going to have it again this week. That that other time, like that other Jacksonville State game was off of seven dudes having COVID, right? And so it's like, let's not, there's also that component too as well. Um, the defense that, that, that Liberty plays is, is physically demanding, um, and it's tough to play that three times in a week. Um, and then the travel doesn't help as well. Um, so they have had a difficult schedule. It feels like they've never had like a stretch of like home games, like, you know, it's, it's, ne it's never like, feels like it's never been like two weeks at home and two weeks on the road. It's been, uh, they're all, you know, can't get in a rhythm. Um, at the same time though, sorry, I'm out of, out of camera. Um, everyone's got that, right? You can't make that as an excuse for, um, for us and not for another team. Like everyone's schedule is pretty much mirrored apart from, um, you know, the, the week that we had to take off for, 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 for COVID. So, um, I also wouldn't want to use it as an excuse or as really too much of an indicator because everyone else has the same schedule as well. So I don't know. 
it's all demanding. Well, what's your overall thoughts kind of on the defense and, and where you think Liberty's at right now? Yeah, so what I hear Joel saying is that, you know, from the looks of it, they're not doing anything different. It's the same style of what they've always done under Richie. Um, but for whatever reason, like just that kind of the more focus is really on the offense um, side of the ball, getting Darius the ball. <clears throat> um, I wonder how much of it, too, is teams have seen us for three years in a row now. And they've kind of started to figure out some nuances and, and how to get around some things. And that includes shooting a bunch of three balls, you know. Um, so I wonder how much that has to play with, how much has to deal with it. Um, I know these guys are young. They're, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds. Um, so they have way more energy than I do. But that still has to take a toll. You do it every night because you're, I mean, it seems like the goal of the pack line is just to wear the other team out. But in the process, you do that to yourself as well. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I, I think it's just I think it's one of these things where there's so many. It's it's. I don't think it's one thing. I think it's a combination of of being yeah. tired, the travel, having a lot of young players, um, you know, some some random stuff. And I got some stuff on that here in just a second uh, that I, at least I found interesting. So yeah, I, mean, I think it's a combination. I'm I'm hopeful after we get through this week. Uh, assuming Liberty doesn't go like 0-3 and, and, and blow their uh, first round by. Um, well, actually, no, they've already clinched their first round by. I'm sorry. So they're going to have they're gonna have a Saturday off through next Thursday. And that's going to be, like the, I think, their first like stretch of like five days off in a row. I'm kind of hoping that really is able to lock in. Joel, you can speak to this. I mean, you know, there's a different level, I would assume, when you're playing these A Sun games in February, and then boom, it's do or die, right? I mean, it's not that they're not trying or not playing hard right now. It's just, are you able to just kind of reach back and hit that extra level when you know this is it? We lose this game yeah. season over. I would say that, like in the dog days of conference, meaning like, let's just call it second half of conference, like no one's 100% healthy. Now, this is when I played, right? They're in a far different you know, sports performance program and, and nutrition and sleep schedule, like he's got them dialed in for how to get the most out of their body every single day, right? But no one's fully healthy. No one's fully energized. No one's like feeling great. Um, the semester is also kicking your tail a little bit. Like all those things are starting to add up um, around this time or maybe the past two weeks up until this time. I will say when you get to conference tournament time, if you're lucky to play multiple games in a, you know in a row our experience was always that like you've got more energy adrenaline takes over like i mean John Caleb like probably shouldn't have played in the championship game against Charleston Southern but like you know you shoot the ankle up and you can go play so um i would say that a lot of that once you get to conference tournament no one's 100% healthy. No one's like feeling like their best, but that's across the league. I will say though that it, it, the urgency component for, for the teams that are immature, it, it, it can suffocate you. And then for the teams that are used to it, like Liberty's played in what four straight, maybe more than that, five straight conference championship games. Um, if you include Radford, um, that when they south, like, there's not a guy on the team who's like, or there, there's enough guys on the team that 
um, inexperienced or like moment being too big shouldn't be a component. So, but at the same time, like if if you let that whole it's do or die thing kind of like get become too much of a thing, you'll psych yourself out and get beat by Liberty, who's won ten games like they did in twenty thirteen for you know four, four teams in in uh, in Myrtle Beach. So it, it's you can play it, but the coach will have their choice in what how they want to play it, and and Richie's not going to make the moment bigger than it is. All right, so before we move on to kind of talking about where things are in the A Sun and all that, I, I got to give a positive about about the defense in the Stetson game. So uh, our friends over at uh, ShotQuality.com, uh, awesome, awesome website. I don't know if Liberty subscribes to this website, but I know from hearing it's like some. Interviews with Susie. Uh, he did an interview uh, with Alan York. Liberty measures the quality of the shot that they're allowing their opponents to 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 uh, to shoot, and I love that. I don't think you should ever be completely looking at the results and saying, "Hey, that's what that that's that's what happened." Because you know, a dude makes a shot that's guarded, you know, versus you know a a, a guy missing a shot when he's wide open. That those aren't going to equal out to future results. So, anyways. Uh, not to go too far into this, but but shot quality basically um, uh, measures what what should have happened. So they're saying based on the shots that both teams t- took, Liberty should have won this game ninety two seventy three, and Stetson's points per possession should have been right about average at just about one. So and, and this kind of felt like what I was watching last night. I felt like I was watching this game and I was like, I don't really think they they were that terrible defensively. I didn't think that. That uh that that Stetson was just you know getting all these great looks just they had a dude go off and that's gonna happen, um so shot quality also uh, uh and I, I got one question for you about this Joel they're saying that Liberty over the course of this year actually probably should be two wins better uh they're saying that they've had some teams that have shot a little bit so I don't I don't know um I don't pay the five hundred dollars so I don't know which games were they they did the game for us today. Uh, but I don't I don't know what all the other games are, uh, but maybe some of these other games, maybe some of it's a little bit of variance. And like I said, I think it's probably a factor of multiple things. But uh, Joel, I, I want to ask you about this. So Liberty is second in the country in the rim and three rate. So basically shooting a bunch of threes or shooting at the rim. How do you feel about this like new style that seems to be taking over college basketball? And Liberty is like right at the forefront of it. Of of either shooting at the rim or shooting a three. Yeah, um, I'm gonna answer that in a second. I want to talk about the shot quality thing real quick. What's really cool about this? They have a hundred percent buy-in from every single person on the team and and staff with this. So I was sitting behind the bench at Kennesaw. There are dudes on the grad assistant, student managers, and every single player. If they take a bad shot and make it. Liberty bench is still thrilled. Like, that's a good shot. It's a good shot. And so they're exceptionally vocal about that piece. This is not something that the coaches are keeping themselves <clears throat> and that they um, evaluate in a coaches meeting. Every single player on the co- on the bench and on the court knows what a good shot defensively and a bad shot defensively is. And they don't care about the result as much unless obviously it probably loses or leads to a loss. So that, I just want to touch on that because you had mentioned that. Um, the three and rim thing, it's more fun to watch unless you're in your sixties and hate, you know, this, this style of basketball, (laughs) 
but it's more fun. Like Steph Curry changed basketball, and that is like this is a result of Steph Curry. Um, so you want to the influential players? Like this is because of Steph Curry, and I say it in a good way. Um, it's more fun, right? Like dunks and threes are the yeah. two things that they shoot the flames up in the. In, they used to sh- shoot the flames up in the Vine Center for. Like that's what people come. That's what people come to see. Um, and then like also like players are just better. Like we're gonna say that like everything is moving technology and all these things are moving towards getting better but like the human performance isn't like of course it is so we are able to do things in like like Darius McGee didn't exist 30 years ago right and like that's a good thing so um for the overall state of the game and like for Liberty being a part of it like I would rather be like think about Georgia Tech or anyone who runs a triple option right like army right like that's not the most fun to watch. Like, it's cool because it's iconic. But, like, you probably would rather be a fan, a fan of Texas Tech than Army if it's, like, for enjoyment of a game, right? It just matters, like, who's successful, who's not with it. So if you want to have an exciting product and something that fills seats, like, this is the style of basketball you're going to play. What was always so, like, Coach McKay has always been an offensive guy. He went to UVA and said he got a master's in defense, right? Like, if you if you look at, the Liberty, Nick, when he was the first time when you were there, like, look at what Smitty was doing. Look at what Seth was doing. Look at what Kyle Oman was doing. Like, he was an offensive guy. And and that piece hasn't really left him. He just went and added as good of a defensive, you know, fellowship as you could over the course of six years. But, like, it's not that Richie doesn't, like, so my point is just that I think it's, I'm great with it. Like, I, I love that. It's more fun to watch. You get to recruit better players, right? I would imagine that want to come play for that. Um, so that I mean, that's my take on it. Yeah, I also would add. I think it's a good style for Liberty, kind of the 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 the, the caliber of players that they're able to recruit right now. Liberty's recruiting, I think, at a much higher level than they ever are, but they're still not going to be, you know, able to pull the same recruits as Virginia or Virginia Tech at, at this stage. This gives you a chance to even the score when you're playing some of these high major teams because you're shooting more threes. You're getting, you know, higher quality shots where, you know, they may be able to make more shots, but if theirs are, you know, uh, you know, long twos, it, it kind of can even out a little bit. So, well, Nick, I, I would say, I would say this too. It also is going to be how they're able to go get players that can compete with it. Like, VMI, like VMI had no business like being a good team with what they were requiring of their of their students and cadets, right? But they scored 102 points a game. And that was when it wasn't like, you know, that commonplace. So you have to find a means of getting better players than you probably should, right? Well, we are getting better players than ASUN players, and I'm not saying it's because we play this, you know, if you're a good shooter, you get the you get the privilege to shoot that. But it's certainly not hurting our ability. It's like, yeah, we're going to play solid defense, like modeled after UVA, like modeled after, you know, uh, after the Bennett's. And we're also like, go watch Keegan. Like, Keegan has a green light right now. Like, I would say Shiloh has a very green light for, for what he, we probably thought he was two years ago. Um, and Darius has the greenest light in the country. So, like, <laughs> but like, well earned. But, if you think like that's a very good recruiting tool, like yeah, we're going to be able to stop suffocate teams on defense, and then this is also the kind of caliber of offensive players that 
that we also produce. So, but great point, Nick. Yeah, me, me and Will have uh, have gawked about VMI like a billion times on this. I, I'm sure any any uh, Liberty fan under the age of 25 is like so sick about these old farts talking about how how fun Liberty VMI games were back in the yeah. day. But that team yeah. is so fun. I, w- I wonder how much going to Conference USA will change some of that, if any. I mean, I know it won't change kind of what McKay does. I, you know, you wonder if it will change kind of the re- what kind of recruiting we go to. Because um, we're going to see some bigger guys in Conference USA than we do in the A-Sun right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Caleb Holmes, uh, Caleb Holmesley's mid-range shot or LaVell Cavill's mid-range shot was not sexy enough to be on Sports Center top ten, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, but Darius McGee's um, shot from the logo will occasionally make it, and, and a big, you know, dunk. So yeah, I, I completely get all that. Yeah, very good, very good. All right, well, let's move on to uh, uh, the story of the night around college basketball. Maybe not the story of the night, but I think there was something that happened in a Wisconsin game. <laughs> but. Uh, 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 Jacksonville State, they uh, whipped up on uh, Bellarmine tonight, 82-67. <clears throat> this was in Louisville. Jacksonville State's good. Uh, they were 15-31 from three tonight. Uh, so here's the updated standings of, of where everything is. Jacksonville State is in pretty well complete control at this point for the number one overall seed. Uh, and here's kind of where the, the tournament sits. Um, as we speak, I'll go back to that in a second, but here's, here's kind of the remaining schedules. Jacksonville state plays EKU at home on Wednesday. EKU is not playing well at all. And then North Alabama, who's playing even worse, uh, but that is on the road. Uh, Liberty would have to have them lose one of these games and run the table. So, uh, at this point, I mean, you know, I don't, Anything can happen. You know, we saw Jacksonville State, you know, uh, lose by, I think, 14 to North Florida. Now, North Florida's all of a sudden looking like a juggernaut in this conference out of nowhere. Uh, so uh, things can change. Uh, uh, but it's it's looking like Liberty probably is not going to have that number one overall seed. Uh, Joel, let's start with you. What's kind of your overall thoughts on uh, the conference Um um, how, what, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Jacksonville yeah. State and then maybe if you, you know, any other team that you see is like really kind of sleeper or a dark horse. So what I thought when I saw Jacksonville State play was it felt like they had five guys that had played 100 games. Now, I don't know if that was the, how true that was or what the aggregate number was, but it, you were watching guys that felt like they had played together and guys that... um had played a ton of games. I didn't, it, it wasn't to me one like, oh, it, they're, they're dead without this guy. It felt like they had a very, um, cape, I mean, their top scores scoring 15 a game, right? Which is fairly common in college basketball. We just unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, have had Darius, but like, they don't have this like wildly lopsided offense where one person's out and they're screwed. I was like, that just looks like an exceptionally mature team that has played a ton of college basketball together. Um, when I talked to Coach Susie at Kennesaw State, um, I was like, I, I wasn't like, what happened? But I, you know, I said, that wasn't a fluke. He's like, not at all. Like, they are just a good basketball team. Um, and I think that we were the darlings for so long, right? That it was like, oh, this Liberty team, like, they could, like, we could do no wrong for three years, right? Like, we came in and slayed the, the 
after that, it was like we could do no wrong, and we like looked good doing it. Um, like Jacksonville State could do that too with like you know their this is their you know their welcoming party to the facility as well. So not by any means um, a fluke and a very good team. I don't. I think that Florida Gulf Coast is always always had a chance they get a ton of transfers they like so um that's one thing that i would just always i'm never comfortable with them um obviously north florida has shown some the way that they're beating people like has been somewhat concerning i still think that liberty will win uh the conference tournament um i think they have the most guys that have been there before especially given this format like the whole high seed hosts like it's it's not this like hey go you know go post up at the marriott for for six days and like you're traveling potentially and obviously the high seed shouldn't but it is a little bit different for um for maybe some of the newer teams so um i I expect liberty to win um regardless of how we finish out the regular season we'll obviously have a first round bye uh or a there's a quarterfinals bye whatever that is um and or first round bye so um, that's not me being a homer. Like I, I think that's what I would expect to, to go into the conference tournament. Yeah, good observation on Jacksonville State being experienced. I got the number for you on that. They are thirty eighth, thirty eighth in the country in uh, uh, age of experience. Liberty is two hundred and fifth for comparison. So yeah, they are definitely one of the oldest teams in the uh, the country. And yeah, they 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 play like it. Uh. Well, what's your thoughts on kind of the the state of the A Sun, where Liberty's at here, heading into the final week? Well, Eastern Kentucky, if they could get hot uh, right now, right about now, that would be good. We keep saying uh, that. <laughs> yeah, <just> keep losing. <laughs> yeah, Joel, what is it like when you kind of go into this last week of the season, knowing that you've got a tournament coming up where you know one game, uh, one bad game, and you're out? Like, how do you? Are you kind of like? I mean, especially Liberty. Or, I know they're not. They would never say they're sleepwalking through these last three games. Um, but w- what is it like when you're thinking of a tournament coming up and you're going through those last two, three games? Yeah, I mean, we never had the luxury that they have, which is kind of yeah. having your fate sealed for the in the in, for the positive. We were always trying to like for us. If there was always, I I always felt there was like fairly reasonable ramifications. On like what that would do for our conference tournament, um, based on the last week of the season, right? Like it, it rarely, the year that we won our last regular season conference game was at Radford, right? Always, it was always a good game with us. We always evenly matched, but like that was always a good test. Like how good are we, right? You, you, you always want to see like last game or last two games of the conference turn, a conference season. Like how good are we? Um, how are we playing? Like are we, are we trending the right direction or trending the wrong direction? That's what I would take is this week for Liberty is like, are we fixing everything that we're saying we're going to fix in film? Cause it, it, you can't hide from your, from your deficiencies anymore. You, you know them within, if you didn't know on the court, you know within an hour after the game. <clears throat> so there's no question why, at least in that room, why Liberty lost the games that's lost. So now this week is, can we win three games in a week, which sucks schedule wise? And can we positively affirm that our our deficiencies have been addressed and that we're training the right direction? That's what this week last week is for Liberty. 
Yeah. So I would I would say there's no sleepwalking happening. I would say yeah. previous years, yes. Yeah, this is uh, you know, three favorable matchups for Liberty. Now, Central Arkansas, I have no idea what to expect tomorrow. They're they're uh uh computer numbers are awful but they're like they've won seven a sun games so i don't know how they're doing it i'm i'm fascinated to uh uh, watch i'm always excited to see liberty playing a a new gym and they have a very weird gym so i I like the weird quirky gyms i'm all about that there's Uh, not a normal but like there's a ton of weird gyms in a sun yeah like i mean vanderbilt obviously takes the cake as like the weirdest gym in the country but there are some funky gyms in the a sun i've noticed yeah yeah absolutely i don't don't want to name it if you're going to ask me to but like every (laughs) i feel like every time i'm on espn plus i'm like oh they just don't have bleachers on that side like even stetson like they have a brick wall on one side like just like (laughs) like three feet off the baseline eastern kentucky's really wild they got like that like weird ceiling uh that that that's interesting you gotta look up a picture (laughs) of that alan york i think was was tweeting out a picture of 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 that and uh Kennesaw's kind of you got Bellerman playing in Freedom Hall, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, as someone who's from that area, that's it's just so cool that they play there. It was it was kind of sad that they had like fifty people at the game tonight, which was a huge game for them on like a Sunday night. Like, what are the people at Louisville doing? Their basketball team's terrible. Like, come come see Bellerman play uh, Jacksonville State. Maybe they could have kept it within twenty. Um, I don't know, but uh, yeah, Liberty did um, to explain this. Liberty did clinch a first round bye. Now they can't say they did because Liberty's basically two games ahead of or three games ahead of Florida Gulf Coast. Florida Gulf Coast can't catch them in the, the loss column. And so the the best Florida Gulf Coast could do is be tied with Liberty and the tiebreaker is net and Florida Gulf Coast can't catch Liberty in net. So they can't officially say that Liberty clinched, but Liberty's one win or one Florida Gulf Coast from officially clinching. So uh and then um Jacksonville, uh, Liberty's uh, a game ahead in the uh, loss column. So it, it basically, unless Jacksonville has this incredible net push over the last week, which I don't think is going to happen, uh, Liberty needs any combination of two wins or two Jacksonville losses to clinch that. So essentially, you go two and one, you're going to clinch, or you go one and two, and Jacksonville splits their last two, you're going to get. So Liberty should at least have home court through the semifinals. Um, the thing that stinks about uh, you know Bellerman losing tonight is uh, unless Jacksonville State has one of these weird performances. Now they shoot a lot of threes too, so they have a high variance. You never know what could happen. So I don't want to you know say it's impossible. But the thing that does kind of stink is that that scenario of of uh, Bellerman winning the A Sun tournament and Liberty getting that you know bid just in case you know you had a bad night. That's probably off the table because that would go to Jacksonville State, but. Uh, but yeah, maybe Jacksonville State could lose somewhere before the championship, and then Liberty would get to host the championship again. That's you know, that's certainly possible. Yeah, so we're not, we're not talking about like all bets are off in the tournament, right? We prove like, like frankly, we showed that that's like you never know who you're gonna because your record in the regular season doesn't matter at that point because like everyone's there, seeds already set. The guys from Charleston Southern, I started playing basketball with like Saad Nimley and Arlon Harper and Cedric Bono, like after, after college from Atlanta. And they were telling us after they beat us in the regular season, we don't want to play them in the tournament because, um, like those guys are good. And so my point is like, yes, you may, you know, Jacksonville State lost to Central Arkansas or whatever it is, but like 
whatever, those things can absolutely flip on themselves or the game that you won that you knew you probably got, you know, snuck away with one or the game that you lost that you never should have. Like those things kind of way of, find a way of flipping themselves or almost writing themselves in conference tournament time. So all bets are off. Like mid-major, like ASUN conference tournament, like anything can happen typically, but there's going to be one of two, one of two teams will likely be in a championship that you are, that you could expect. But there's a lot of times like teams that you would never expect. North Alabama was it last year? North Alabama made it, um, or whoever it was. Yeah. Like there's, you know, so I mean, it's always possible. Well, we got a question for you. What percentage do you give us of winning out? <laughs> I feel like this is a dangerous question for me to answer, but I'm going to say fifty percent, and uh, I'm going to be a little bit overconfident. So I ran the numbers, of course, and it's 55%. So I, I, it, it's a lot higher than that. I mean, it, it's the actual numbers with the Ken Palm yeah. data, but I, I think it's higher than that. Uh, I'm going to go gut for once. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so uh, that's kind of where we're at. Um, I did real quick uh, want to talk about some of the individual players. Um, if you're watching, I do have the points per game leaders and the Ken Palm offensive rating leaders. I won't get into all that, but Joel, who's maybe a player that's kind of stuck out to you this year? I think everyone's talking not about named Scott. Darius McGee. Yeah, yeah not this, named Darius McGee. This one guy is really good. Um, <laughs> I think that Keegan is shooting with more confidence. I would say up until the past you know week or so, I thought that Keegan was shooting with like more confidence than I've ever seen him shoot with. <clears throat> um. I've been talking to whether it's like alumni or you know friends that also watch. Like one of the guys I talked to about the most is Russ and um, a student at Liberty, but it's like it feels like Shiloh realized he was good this year, or like he started to listen to like coach telling him like, "Dude, you're really good." Because coach has been talking this way about him for years. The problem is just there's been guys in front of him. <clears throat> it feels like this year Shiloh's like realized that he's actually good, and I think where that's most evidence is his comfort and confidence shooting the three. Like he was always able to do funky stuff around the rim and that was never anything like out of character for him. But when he pulls up like from three feet behind the three point line with like five seconds left on the, on the shot clock, like he thinks it's going in. And I think that's a, been a, a big transition for him. Um, also, I will say watching Vinzant in person, like, I saw someone make a wild take that he was like, today he's better than Cuffy ever was. Like, that's probably disrespectful, unless it was one of you two that said it. Um, but he is not playing around. Like, when he's on defense, like, he's exceptionally bought in and as good of an on ball defender as we've seen. And he's 18 years old. So I could, I could go with who I'm impressed with or, you know, what I'm impressed with about each player down the line, but. To me, this this season will come down to Shiloh and Darius, and then like, then Kyle will go off with twenty, or then you know, then Keegan will go seven first eight from three. Like, that's very rare, but like, we don't see those things as much because Darius still exists. You know. Yeah, very good. Will, real quick, you got any any one that's sticking out to you right now? Yeah, I would say Shiloh just because um, I feel like Kyle Road is really coming on strong. 
And so that gives you an that gives the other teams an extra guy to look at and prepare for. Shallow um, seems like he hasn't been strong the last few weeks as he was earlier in the season. So I think if you get Kyle going, um, that really opens things up a little bit more for Shallow. So I'm hope, hoping he really kind of takes over during the tournament. Yeah. Couple quick thoughts. Yeah, Kyle Wood is playing just incredible basketball yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm so excited to see what he can do in the <clears> tournament. <throat> he was phenomenal in the tournament last year. So, uh, interested in that. I'm interested to see if Blake Preston starts getting some more minutes. He was really good last night nine points in 10 minutes. Um, I, I wonder if some of the defensive struggles, maybe, you know, uh, if, if maybe he gets some more minutes, maybe that's why he's not getting more minutes. I don't really know. I, I've tried to watch and see if I think Blake's playing good defense or not. I have no idea. I can't tell you. I'm not I'm not I'm not in tune enough to know that, but I'm interested in that. And then I, I want to ask Joel about Blake real quick, but but one other point on Vinzant, if you look at his Ken Palm offensive rating, 104.9, that's about five percent better than than average. He's doing that and he has not shot the three ball well at all. He has been elite around the rim and really good for a freshman shooting free throws. So I, I I don't necessarily I'm not ready on that cuffy take that that's a little that's a little far but he is a a really really good player that I am just so excited about. I think that Blake uh, not yeah I think that Blake is and this is typical with, with big guys they will be used or sat based on the pace of play or style of that game right and so if you find this game being high scoring high tempo you're not going to see a lot of Blake. If you see this game being one of those ones that's kind of a knockout, you're going to see a ton of Blake because Blake's deficiencies are not like him being bad at something. It's like, are his strengths conducive to what we need in this game? Like that's, that's the reality of what that conversation is. So again, like he, you know, the games that he's playing well, it's because the, the pace of playing the style of that game are allowing for him to be effective. But there's also ones where who do they have on the floor? If they've got five guards, like, why would we put Blake in a situation that he can't be successful in? We've got five guards. We've got a good defense with five guards that we can, or whatever that means, right? Like, it's a, we can afford having Shallow be our biggest guy on the court at times. And Kyle is as strong as anybody that will play. And he can absolutely play post defense if he needs to. So what you'll see being the story of Blake is what's the story of the game? That's what will determine how useful Blake can or can't be. Um, to no fault or deficiency of his own. It's 100% based on the overall speed, tempo, um, and just kind of like the rhythm of the game. But, I mean, he's shown exceptional maturity when the game calls for him. Um, like, how many guys that size are close to as well as, like, you know, he, you can trust him on the free throw line. So, um Blake can easily have his own moment in the tournament. Um, if one of these um, teams might say we want to slow Liberty down because we don't want Darius scoring 40 points on, we don't want Darius scoring 40 mm -hmm. of 80 points on us. So like there may be a point where a team says, yes, Liberty plays exceptionally well at this pace, but they also like when Darius has 40, like nobody beats them. So there could be a point where someone actually plays it back into what I would consider Liberty's pace of the first half of the season and seasons prior was to see if there's a way to get them out of what we're seeing now with this crazy offensive efficiency. Enter Blake Preston if you have a, you know, a career night in a tournament game. So that's, that's what the story of Blake could be. 
Yeah, very well said. Love your love your insight on that. Um, yeah, and he's shooting fifty nine percent from from two point you know range. So he's around the rim. He's 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 about as good as it gets. Uh, we did get a couple questions. Just want to get to these real quick. Really appreciate everyone watching and supporting and uh, um, um, commenting on tonight's show and interacting with us. Uh, William asks, what game scares you the most here in the final week? And I'll, I'll bring him back up here for you. Uh, I'll start. I mean, I just think that Central Arkansas, just because of how big of an unknown they are and it's on the road, I mean, they're, they're the worst of the three teams. But just because it's on the road, I'm always going to feel good about Liberty at home. So I don't know. That's my take. Joel, what do you think? What happened last time Liberty played FGCU? Darius had 50. So there are plenty of people who felt disrespected and pissed off after that game because they got made an example of by a dude who's five foot eight. So if someone has like a like the why behind them coming and having a career night, it's it's somebody at FGCU or it's an or it's the the aggregate of FGCU guys that tried to play defense on Darius. Um, that scares that one scares me the most. And they do have a six foot eleven guy, which is Samuel, which you know just kind of it's just a a quirky, weird, weird matchup. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could kind of all three of these games. Kennesaw's had like a lot of really good performances and a lot of really bad. You know, do do they have it? I would say that game is probably the one I'm least worried about, but that's probably the one like Liberty will go two and one, and that'll be the one they lose just because of <laughs> yeah, how how basketball works sometimes. Well, what about you? Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about Florida Gulf Coast in terms of having a chip on their shoulder after Darius went off on them. That's a good point. I, before that, I would have said Central Arkansas just because of just kind of the unknown of playing at their place. And I know their numbers are bad, but I was just looking at their schedule. They played a tough schedule where they got blown out a lot out of conference. Um, and then they nearly beat Jacksonville State the first time and then did beat them at Jacksonville State by 10. So that team, that just that fact alone kind of scares me that they can do that at Jacksonville State. Yeah, I, I, I usually can like kind of get an idea of what to expect. I have literally no idea. I'm, just, I'm excited for tomorrow because I, I love a game where I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. Uh, well, we got one. Sorry, Joel, were you going to say something? Well, like <laughs> Central Arkansas's like color scheme and logo, and like it kind of looks like a creative team that you would see on like <laughs> NC. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but like it's such an unknown. Like for that reason, like, and that's just what I thought of when we said that. I think they also got some some issues with their HD camera. Like they're not in like the full resolution, and it's it's Scotty Pittman Court. I think is the name of it too. It's just I'm excited. It's gonna be weird. I love weird. You know, when you're at this point of the season, uh, you know, I need some weirdies. I'm at this point. I'm just I I want to get to the conference tournament. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, talking about weird arenas, the weirdest thing about every A Sun Arena except for Liberty Arena is they're not lit for television. Like I don't understand. Like they. Cameras are in weird spots, and the lighting is terrible for TV. Jacksonville's the worst, man. Their yeah. camera operator is brutal. You don't realize how spoiled we are from a game production standpoint until you start going on road games in conference. It's, you know, it's uh, you realize how, and it's like you you realize how how good we have it on home games. Yeah. All right, we'll close on this question. We got a question from Chad. This is uh, just for our our guy. Uh, JVP, how important is it having uh, one all-conference superstar playing during the conference tournament compared to the regular season? And you would obviously know you had, uh, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm 
I'm having a, a brain fart here. Uh, Devon Marshall went off in the ace and in the the ugh, the Big South tournament. How, what do you feel like? Do you feel like there's maybe some comparisons with Darius in that? Yeah, the difference is we expected anything out of us, and so I think we were able to fly under the radar. Like Darius Liberty has, I would say, the biggest target on their backs because they've beat every single every team in the A Sun, and and they've the A Sun had to watch them, you know, do their thing the past three years. And Darius has the biggest target on his back individually. So to me, the answer to that question is like I would have a difficult time like quantifying what's the difference between like regular season and conference tournament. Like everyone's gonna have a moment in the conference tournament. That's what I think is is unique about the conference tournament thing. Like you have three games in four days or three games in five days, whatever it is, and everyone has their moment. We had the exact same thing. You know, Tomas hits a huge three that a play we've drawn up a thousand times that he's never hit, he has it, right? Like uh Drew has some left hand hook he's never shot in his life and makes it at a key moment. Like dudes are like everyone has their moment in the conference tournament. And they're all highlighted because every single possession in the conference tournament is just elevated, right? So to me, it's not like, like, we know Darius is the best player on the court at all times. Like, no matter who, like, he's likely the best player on the court, no matter who we play for the rest of our conference tournament or NCAA tournament. Like, he's going to be the best player on the court. So that's not the unknown. The unknown is who's going to be the, who's going to be the guy this game or who's going to be the guy this media timeout or who's going to be the guy this half. And so to me, it is a, we, the things that we know are, are Darius and the things that we know are probably Shiloh at this point. Um, or I'd, Shiloh and Kyle, but like someone's going to have a moment. And, um, so I, yeah, you take comfort in knowing Darius is there. You take comfort in knowing that you got Coach McKay, but other dudes are the guys who end up, unless, he, unless Darius decides to just, you know, average 35 in the conference tournament, which is fully possible. But I would guess the chances of somebody else having an unexpected big moment are, are higher than Darius scoring 140 points in three games, you know, three games. Very good. Well, Joel, I could talk with you all night. I, I really, really appreciate your, your time and coming on our silly little show. It's, uh, uh, so cool to have, a uh, one of our favorite players, uh, and, and seriously, in all sincerity, we we loved your time at Liberty, and and that that run was really special to me as a fan uh, in uh, in 2013. So, uh, best of luck with you with you know everything else you got going on, and uh, with those kids. Um, did want to say a, a quick word. Um, uh, if you saw last night, we uh, are going to be helping out with the. Uh, with Asia Red doing some pre and post game shows for the A Sun tournament. So if you watch me struggle through trying to do a live show, going to a Richie McKay press conference uh, uh, last night, hopefully I'll uh, be able to get a little bit better out here next time. We worked out some some kinks yesterday, but we're going to be doing that. We're going to try to come on next Sunday night with another uh, uh, live show to get ready with uh, an actual bracket for the, the A Sun tournament. So we are uh, 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 we are so excited about that. Um, as always, if you haven't, uh, subscribe to the Vines Palmcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on YouTube under Liberty Classic Games. For Joel, for Will, this is Nick. Have a great night. Go Flames.